welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 58th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. Today, we're travelling over to Ireland, across the sea, Derek Ryan, 40 appearances for the Wolves between 1984 and 1987, five goals. Derek, how are you? I'm fine, Jason. Thanks very much. How are you? I, hey Derek, listen, I'm very, very good. I've been looking forward to interviewing you. I put it on social media, uh, and it's had a lot of interest. Um, <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> it's all good, my friend. It's all good. All good. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're uh, like I said, we're going over to Dublin, Dublin-born. Um, so I'm interested, really, Derek. Uh, the first question I always ask is is how your how your junior football started. Okay, uh, my junior football. Okay, I. Uh, played. I started playing junior football at a competitive level when I was about nine or ten years old, just for a, a local side where we lived. Yeah. Uh, we we moved home when I was twelve to to the outskirts of Dublin, uh, and joined another smaller local team in, in the area. Soares was where I, I sort of moved to when I was twelve and joined a local team there. We played for a year. We had a very good team that played in one of the lower levels of junior football. And we had a very good team, but unfortunately it broke up after a year. So I was going to school in the city centre at the time. And there was a mixture of guys in the class who played for various different teams around the city. And some of them played for some of the bigger clubs in Dublin, the Home Farms and the St. Kevin's. Yes. So when my local team broke up, one of my mates in the, in the class played for St. Kevin's, which... A lot of people now in the UK will be aware of them. They're one of the biggest clubs in Dublin at the time. Yeah. They were a huge club, but probably didn't have the same profile as they do now. So I joined St. Kevin's on the on the under-14 year. So that was my first year playing junior football at what would have been considered a, a higher level or the, the highest level in Dublin. So I started playing for them under-14, as I said. And within five or six months of playing for them, that's when I started to get noticed for some of the representative teams. I played for a Dublin team uh, under 14 and under 15. I got selected for the Irish team under 15 schoolboys. And during that period of time was when I would have been spotted by the Wolves coach in Dublin, who was uh, a man called Eddie Corcoran at the time. And that, that was my first introduction to, to going over to Wolves and having a couple of trials that would have been probably early 82, late 81, early 82, in the summer of 82, I would have gone over on trials. So from your point of view, Derek, uh, a, listen, Wolves have always had a fantastic scouting network in Ireland. And, and to be honest, uh, you know, I know it was very, very prevalent in the 90s when we found players like Robbie Keane, but I didn't actually yeah. know it was obviously quite prevalent in the early 80s as well. And so when you get spotted, obviously it's a big thing, but it's, it's an even bigger thing coming over to another country as a young man for these trials. I mean, your first trials, did your parents come over with you? Was it, you know, was there, was there pressure? Yeah, no, no, parents didn't go over, no. Uh, pressure, I don't know, it's it's just something when you're when you're playing football from a young age and, and like all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid was, was play football and obviously the, the, 
you dream of playing professionally for some of the bigger clubs. Obviously, like the Irish football, the League of Ireland, the standards uh, back then certainly was was nowhere near the same level as as it is going over to the UK. So any anybody who wanted to play at, at a good level, at a top level, it was always going to be would have to go to to England, you know, to to sort of fulfil your dream if you want or, or fulfil that yes. that uh, ambition. And uh, it was it was just something like, as I say, when I was playing for those representative teams like the Dublin under-15s and the Irish under-15s, a lot of the other guys on that team, probably eight or ten of the squads, would have been having trials at, at your even bigger clubs than Wolves at the time, like yes. your Liverpools and Uniteds and all, all these type of clubs. So, you know, you knew that you were being watched. You knew that it was something that you wanted to do. When you got the call, it did come out of the blue. When I got the call, like you, you sort of you're wondering if it's ever going to happen. You sort of feel as if God, it has to happen when I'm 15 because everyone goes when they're 16. They leave school early and go over. Yes, it, it doesn't. It doesn't obviously happen like that. You know what I mean? It, it did. It was predominantly then that 99% of people who went away went away when they were 16 to become an apprentice. But I went over in a couple of trials. But no, there was no pressure. It was it was exciting. It was it was a great time. Uh, my parents were brought over by the club during that course of time, just on their own for a weekend to see a game and show them the club and show them the facilities as a sort of a, you know, a trying to sell the club to them, maybe yes. like, because this is this is where I was going to end up and I was obviously going to be a 16-year-old kid on my own away from home. So that, that was all done properly, but they didn't come with me for any of the trials as such. Now, we went over, uh, Eddie Cork and the scout went over with me on one of them because we drove over on the ferry and there was another guy with us as well I can remember him being on one trip the other trips I just think I, I flew on my own and uh, probably spent the, the week of a, of a mid-term or, or the summer holiday uh, at the club along with all the other guys who were on trial or apprentices at the time Now you <clears throat> you became an apprentice in January 1983 and like you said obviously flying over on your own and you know, coming to a new city, well, new town then uh, at the time in a new country, was it difficult to settle in as as, as a young man? Uh, you know, and leaving home so early. Yeah, no, no, it wasn't really. No, I, I don't. Uh, I don't recall. I, I do remember getting quite homesick. Funny enough, it was a full twelve months later. It was the I'd had the first year of uh, of being away for for the year of eighty three, if you like. So from the January to the to the May, I would have been home probably for four or five weeks in the summer. Yeah. Then went back for the start of the uh, 83, 84 season and I would have come home at the Christmas probably for about a week. And the following January, so January 84, 12 months after I'd been away, I did find it difficult that time of the year. I, I don't know why, but I do recall struggling a little bit then with yes. probably the whole, you know, maybe I wasn't playing well, things probably weren't going as well as I'd liked. So, you know, there was a bit of homesickness there, but that was very short-lived, you know. Most of the time I, I was there, I, I thoroughly enjoyed what I was doing and uh, knew what I was there for, so it wasn't really an issue. Now, very interestingly, you, you become a, a professional in October 1984, but in August 1984, I mean, if, if there's any supporters who are listening who haven't watched this documentary on YouTube, it is absolutely fantastic. It's a documentary called The Moment of Truth, and it's filmed by a TV crew from BBC Manchester. Now, the documentary, Derek, uh, centres around you and a young man called Steve Blackwell. 
obviously he was a local youth player, uh, I believe, born in yeah. Wolverhampton. Um, yeah. And it centres around uh, you two, really, facing the moment of truth with Tommy Doherty um, to see if you've got a, a, a professional contract. Um, I mean, I, I've watched it on YouTube. Very, very interesting. I mean, one of the scenes, you're rocking around in an old 70s Wolves kit because you're training in the old, <laughs> the old first yeah. team kit. W yeah. Once again, was that a big deal at the time, having these TV cameras uh, sort of following you around? Yeah, well, it was it was a big deal, all right. Yeah, I, I remember uh, being called into the office by Tommy Doherty, and he explained to us that there was a, a a crowd from Manchester BBC. I think the connection obviously was the Manchester and, and Tommy Doc being with us, so yes. there was a connection there. So that's obviously why they picked Wolves and myself and Steve Blackwell. I were were the next two guys in line. To, to have that decision made whether we were going to be kept on or we were going to be let go so that's that's why we were chosen the doctor said to me listen there's a camera crew going to be coming down they're interested in making a program about different uh, uh, careers if you like I think it was a six or seven part series so there was different careers chosen and they all sort of had the same uh, how do I put it there was a decision to be made at, at the end of a period yes. of time yes. about whether you were kept on or you were let go so th that was the whole the mo where the moment the truth came from but yeah it was a big deal I, I wouldn't be I wasn't 100% comfortable with the, with the cameras following us around and interviewers but most of the time it, it was okay like they they did a lot of stuff where there was the, the group of us were there the, the, all the apprentices were there training or chatting in the dressing room there was a couple of one to one interviews and there, there yeah. was a lot of footage as well that wasn't shown but uh Overall, it was a, it was an interesting experience. Now it wouldn't be something now that I would have enjoyed too much at the time. I mean, did, was your family back in Ireland watching it as well? I, I mean, um... oh yeah, yeah, that that would have been screened then. Of, I can't remember the timelines, but as you say, like a lot of the footage was done when I made my debut in yes. August '84. So uh, August '84, that would do. it was probably on TV, probably the November to December of that year, maybe even the following year. I can't actually exactly remember. But, uh, yes, it would have been a big deal for them to see it at the time, all right? Oh, huge. I mean, yeah. what, what's what's very interesting, Derek, is um, the, the, the the documentary, like I said, it's centred around yourself and Steve. I, think, I believe it was filmed in August 1984. Your debut was in August 1984. The cameras were there. Uh, Sheffield yeah. United at home, two all draw. You didn't actually become a professional until the October so that game against Sheffield United, you're on the bench. Uh, the, I remember the, the TV crew coming over. And once That's again, right, this, yeah. this was quite unprecedented because they're interviewing you on the bench. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, and they said, look, it's not normal to have a young player on the bench. Tommy Doherty then uh, responds that, listen, uh, Derek Ryan is, is, is not a normal player. Um, yeah, yeah. And then obviously you come on and made your debut. I mean, that must have been an absolutely huge day for you on the basis that you, you, you wasn't even a professional at that point. Yeah, yeah, well, that's true. It, it was, yeah. I did, like, I couldn't recall now. It's only when you say that now, I probably obviously didn't sign the contract. I knew I was going to be signing a professional contract. So, oh, it wasn't as if there had no decision had been made at that stage. I'd been told by the doc that he was going to give me a contract, so there wasn't an issue there. It, it was an exciting day, I do remember it. Uh, it. It was quite common back then, Jason, for, for guys at 17, sort of going on 18, to be introduced in, into first-team squads, you know what I mean? Yes. Now, obviously, I, I was delighted to do it. The doc 
liked me as a player. Obviously, he rated me as a player. So as soon as he came in, I knew I was going to get a chance, and it, it coincided with me playing some good football in the reserves as well. But uh, it was it was an exciting time. All right. Now that season, uh, you made twelve first team appearances. It ended in relegation. I mean, a couple of questions, really. Um, you know, obviously, difficult season always when it ends in, in relegation. And, and uh, so how disappointing was that? Um, you know, sort of bittersweet, I suppose, on the basis you've made your debut. And yeah. um, what was your relationship like with Tommy Doherty? Because on the documentary, it looks like you got on like a house on fire. Yeah, well, it wasn't even like that we got on like a house on fire. As I said there earlier, like I, I just, I just knew that he rated me as a player and he was going to give me an opportunity. I had sort of started out as a centre forward, yes. and I, I would have gone over as an apprentice as a centre forward, but he sort of pushed me onto the right wing, and that's all those games that I would have played under him. I would have played as a right winger or a, a right-sided midfielder, and I, I did really well there. I wouldn't have been the biggest, most physical type player. I would have been quick. I would have had sort of reasonably good feet and good speed. So my strength was probably better off, you know, especially with the type of centre-halves to play back then and you were tackling from behind. You know, yeah. I was probably better off being out in the wing and get a bit more protection. So uh, I, I did well under him under that year. Uh, like we had a, a, a good squad of players. that We had a lot of players who would come from maybe a higher level that he had sort of encouraged to come down and play for us. And, uh, you know, they were sort of guys who were coming towards the end of their career and then a mixture of people like myself or some good yes. professionals who'd been at Wolves for a long time. So it was disappointing to get relegated. At the time, I, I personally, I, I, I wasn't overly concerned because when we did get relegated at the time, when it happened... I assumed we were going to all come back the next year. Tommy Doherty would be the manager. We'd be yeah. in a lower league, but with a bit of luck, we might have a bit of success. I might be part of that, and we go forward from there type of thing, you know. So I was probably being selfish at the time as well. So that's how I perceived it. That's not how things panned out, because when we did come back, Tommy Doc wasn't the manager. Yeah. So the whole thing changed from there, you know. And it was your fellow countryman, I believe, uh, Sammy Chapman, who, I mean, yeah, yeah. actually, just going back to the 84-85 season, um, it, it finished on a high for you because you scored your first goal in a yeah. home win versus the last home game of the season, I believe we're already relegated at this point, um, versus Huddersfield in a 2-1 win. I mean, that must give you huge confidence, Derek. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As I say, that as you say there, it was the last game. So that's probably even more why I was sort of looking forward to the following year. I, yes. I think I only came on at half-time in that game. And uh, as I said, I was playing on the right wing. John Humphrey would have been the right-back at the time. And yes. I always enjoyed playing in front of him because he was a really good player, a really quick player. Yes. And the two of us had a good good little uh, set-up on that side. But I remember coming off the, the pitch that day and the excitement of having scored... Because I'd just been on for half a game, I was absolutely buzzing okay. and just raring to go. I could have gone out and played for another two hours purely <laughs> with the adrenaline of, of scoring a goal because obviously that, that was a big deal down at the uh, the North Bank end, I think it was, from memory anyway. Oh, wow. And and how, uh, you know, did, did your family uh, get over to from Ireland to, to see you play much? No, they they didn't actually. No, I, I don't think they ever did get the opportunity to come over and see me play. Why that is, oh. I I don't know. 
I don't know why they didn't. Uh, I don't recall any trip at all where they came over and were able to see me play. And it, it, it does seem strange now when I think about it, but uh, I'm not sure why that was now. I wouldn't worry, though, because you, you've been the star in that documentary. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Winner. Now, the following season, like I said, Sammy Chapman took over once again. Um, you know, look, it was a, a very difficult period for Wolves. In fact, that season, the 85-86 season, um, it was so turbulent. Sammy Chapman started as manager. Then Bill McGarry, which I want to talk about because that was arguably your finest hour in a Wolves shirt. I mean, that season, uh, Derek, 34 players were used. Um, I mean, yeah. it must have been like a revolving door. There must have been so much going on on the pitch yeah. and off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 you're, you're right there in terms of the revolving door. Like, as a, a young player, I, I wouldn't have been aware too much about what was going on behind the scenes in terms of the finances of the club and all the issues that were going on there. That was something that never really touched... Uh, well, I, I don't think it would have touched many of the players, but certainly not not me at that stage of my career. I would have been eighteen uh, at that stage. I was in the middle of a, a three-year professional contract, you know. But the the issues that were prevalent in the club at the time they manifested themselves to, to me as the guys who were coming in and the guys that were going out, and it was just non-stop, non-stop. There was yes. just different players coming in, some from bigger clubs who who guys who would have had good careers that were maybe just finishing their last couple of years off then there was other guys that were being plucked from the reserve teams of of, of so-called bigger clubs and coming in and it was just constantly changing constantly changing which obviously is is the last thing you want for, for a, a football club you know or a football team as such now as well as it changing on the pitch there was a changing manager uh, and listen Bill McGarry, um, iconic really in the 70s as a manager, um, yeah. you know, winning the League Cup in 74. Come back to the club in 85. To be honest, as a Wolves supporter, looking back now, you think, listen, it's never going to end well. You know, yeah. they say never go back and he come back to the club and look, it was a very, very difficult period. But um, it was uh, against Reading, uh, October the 23rd, 1985. Now, I believe... At the time, I think Reading of, of Red were 15 points clear. Uh, I think they'd won 11 or 12 of their games. And this this game, if they won it, was going to be a, a, a record. Um, yeah. And it was down at Elm Park. It was a two-all draw. Mr. Derek Ryan scored a brace. I believe you scored one in the fifth and one in the 81st minute. I mean, Derek, it doesn't get any better than that, does it? No, yeah, it was uh, that was a good night, all right, yeah, yeah. I didn't realise I scored after five minutes. Now it's funny. I can remember the goals vividly. Now as clear as anything, uh, and the place was packed down there because we were pretty much, I would imagine, down the bottom of the table. And as you say, they were flying on top. They were going for this record. I can't remember exactly what the number was, but I think it was for the twelfth consecutive win or something yes. like that. So because of that, they were obviously at the top of the table as well, uh, and they were flying. And uh, we went down with, with our guys. Bill McGarry at the time was the manager, I can remember that. I didn't realise that uh, Sammy Chapman had come in directly after the, do the dock. I'd forgotten that. And then Bill McGarry. But uh, he, he started playing me as a centre-forward. And uh, because, just to step back a little bit, when Sammy Chapman came in after the dock, he would have started playing me back as a centre-forward again. So when Bill McGarry took over from him, 
I was probably perceived as as the front player. Yes. And funny enough, when Bill McGarry was there and I was playing up front, I, I did I did reasonably well. I, I was playing well for a period of time, and I think I can remember. I think we played Walsall at home on the previous Saturday, which I think might have been my first game under Bill McGarry. So there was a couple of games into the season I hadn't been involved in. He came along. He played me against Walsall. We drew nil all, and I can clearly remember missing a sitter that day, a, a chance that I should have scored. I got a chance. I got, I got the ball literally four or five yards just inside the Walsall half and literally had to run the the half of the pitch with, with the ball, thinking about where I was going to put it as the keeper was coming out. And it was one of those where you think he's got too much time, yes. here, you know what I mean? Too much time to yeah. think about where he's putting it. If it had been something a bit more instinctive, I might have had a better chance. Yes. So anyway, I went up and... and made a hash of it and the keeper made an easy save and that that was my memory of that game that was a chance that I should have scored and then literally the Wednesday night following we go down to Reading yeah. and I, I get one of those chances that I've just destroyed where it's literally I think Andy King played the ball into me along the side in between the, the full back and the uh, centre half and I just ran onto it and at the edge of the box hit it with my left foot and it just flew into the, the, the bottom corner and that was that that was the start of it Winner. Uh, the second goal, I believe, um, I might be wrong, uh, was it John Purdy that set you up and it was a 20-yarder? Yeah, that's right. It could have been. It came in from the right wing and I was sort of on the, probably in the D, just to the right of the D and uh, came across the from the right and I just took a touch and, and struck it and literally it was one of those where you strike it as clean as a whistle, didn't yeah. leave the ground and just went into the bottom left-hand corner. I didn't realise now it was the 81st minute, so that, that that makes it even sweeter then, you know. Yeah, 81st minute, yeah. and I might be wrong, did you have a goal disallowed that game, Derek? Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't recall that now. Right. Uh, and I don't recall that. Well, that brings me to my next question, really. Was, was there a chance for a hat-trick? Because when you scored twice, I mean, look, there's nine minutes to go. Yeah. When you scored twice, if you've got the ball... You're not passing it, mate. You're just, you're just yeah, going for the top corner, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't. I don't recall now, Jason, uh, an opportunity to uh, to go for a hat trick. And sure, if I did, I'm not going to claim it now anyway because I missed it. So I don't want to ruin that night. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, that that season for you, I believe there was 22 appearances made in the first team. That particular run under Bill McGarry, um, I, I think you made 13 consecutive appearances. So for yeah. you, you must have been on a real run. It must have been, you know, quite refreshing and probably your, yeah. your best time in a wool shirt. Yeah, yeah, probably. I, I would, I would compare that to the time when I started playing with, under Tommy Dock, to, going back to his time as well. The, the, they were definitely uh, the times where you just felt things were going. They were progressing. I, I was just a young professional, or I was a young apprentice at the first stage and a young professional. Then I was obviously a year older when Bill McGarry came in. Yes. I, you know, he was a, an established, successful manager. Granted, it was going back a good period of time. I think he'd come back specifically from South Africa to, to manage the Wolves that time. Yes. And it was obviously a job that appealed to him because of the connection with the club. So, you know... I, I would compare uh, my time both under the dock and Bill McGarry as, as, as the best times for me in, in a wolf short and, and things going, you know, you, you weren't necessarily playing great all the time, but you were a young professional and you were getting an opportunity, 
you were playing an odd few games, then maybe dropped out of the squad for a couple of weeks and then back in again. So it was all going along uh, as you would hope. And, you know, from an ambitious point of view, you, you, you know, you're hoping that it's all going in the right direction, if you like. Yes. And, and, and to be honest, Derek, um, so look, football careers pass you by. They do go very quickly, don't they? So like I said, one minute, you know, you're there sitting in the dugout. You're being interviewed by BBC Manchester. It's a sunny day, 13,000, well, 14,000 against Sheffield United. And the next minute, you, 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 you can start to see it slip away at points, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Which is... It's, uh, it, it doesn't take long for it to slip away. For, you know, in my case, like as you say, even the dates you're talking about there, it didn't take too much longer for, for you know, a, a different manager to come in yeah. Who maybe doesn't rate you in the same way as previous managers did? There was a lot of lot of. I think I had seven managers there in in the four and a half years I was yeah. there. Of course, because there, there was Jim Barron. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, when was. I first when I first went over, Graham Hawkins was the manager. Yes, of course. Okay, yeah. then Tommy Doc came in, and yeah. then you had Sammy Chapman for his own Bill McGarry and then Sammy Chapman again yeah. as far as I can Jim remember Barron Brian, as well. Brian was Little was also while, there wasn't Brian he? Little was there for a period of time that's it Brian Little and then we'll come on to, to, to obviously Graham Turner um, yeah I believe a little birdie tells me Derek uh, well a couple of stories actually firstly your nickname's Dodger or Dodge yeah, um, yeah. now I've read <coughs> I can't believe this is true at all but I've read <laughs> Your nickname is Dodge because you used to dodge out of the jobs, you know, that the apprentices were given. Now I'm hoping that there's there's a there's another reason for that nickname, Derek. What is it? No, no, that that is the reason, but it's totally untrue, Jason. It's oh. Totally untrue. <laughs> who gave you that, actually, Derek? I, I don't know. I don't know who actually gave me that. But as I said, that there was a group of uh, apprentices who we all would have obviously uh, started. At the same time, or at the, in the same season, and one or one of them, for whatever reason, must have just decided that I was a bit lazy when it came to doing our our chores in in the morning and in the afternoons after all the professions had gone home. So they just started calling me the Artful Dodger for some reason. So it stuck straight away, and uh, it was probably Pee Wee or Pee Wee or someone like that. So uh, uh, I can't remember exactly. The Artful Dodger. Um... Yeah. And I, I also believe there was a, a coach incident uh, on, on an away game. That's right. That's right, yeah. Uh, hang on a second there. You're not dodging out of the question, are you? Like you used to dodge out the uh, the apprentice jobs, Derek. Bit... Bit of a technical issue there. The artful dodger uh, lost his mobile phone charger, but we're back on. <laughs> we're back ready to go. Um, yes, okay. there, there was a coach incident, wasn't there, Derek? Uh, yeah. I, I believe on an away game. Yeah, I think this was probably the period of time, probably uh, maybe during Bill McGarry's tenure or maybe just after that, as he'd gone, we played an away game up north somewhere. I can't recall who it was against, but we were... Uh, coming back down the motorway at 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock at night after probably getting hammered by somebody that we shouldn't be getting beaten by. And all of a yeah. sudden, the, the coach starts swerving around the motorway and the, the driver's braking and, and speeding up and braking and it's all getting a bit scary down the back and everyone wondering what the hell is going on. And uh, 
took a few minutes to work out, but it looked as if there was a couple of Wolves fans who had gone up to the game and were driving back home and had spotted the coach and realised who was on the coach and decided that they uh, probably wanted to get rid of a lot of us. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. It caused a few problems, but uh, I think they were actually uh, taken to court and it went through the whole process of being charged with something or other dangerous driving or something, but uh, listen, I can't blame them too much, you know. I mean, look, it was a turbulent era. Another, another, um, something else I read because there is a chapter on you in Johnny Phillips' brilliant book, Bitten by Wolves. Um, the the Reading game where where you scored twice. Wolves fans were down in London outside the Batty brothers' offices um, with placards, Batty's out. I mean, I bet you wouldn't have known anything about that, would you, Derek? No, no, uh, I certainly wouldn't. No, we, we 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 knew who they were and we knew that we they owned the club. Yeah, it was yeah, it was probably just around that time that the a lot of people started to realise that they they weren't in it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? They weren't in it for the good of the club. They were in it for completely different reasons. So it it was really in my last year, or year and a half, that the even the the, the mention of their names came to light. You know what I mean? Even though things weren't being probably done properly for a good period of time. Yes, it was in that sort of period of time from. 86 or late 85 86 87 that you know there was an orchestrated move by by fans to to try and get them out which took long enough but uh eventually succeeded and did you ever have any problems with your wages derek um no, at the no, time in terms no, of not getting paid or no no like i said this to johnny as well when he came over to about the book that like to, to me as you know i was a young professional my wages were always paid on time. I never remember any issue with us not getting paid, even as apprentices or young professionals. There was nothing like that. Now, we knew that things weren't being run properly in the background. But, like, when you're a young professional, all you really care about is playing football. Yes. And hogging out and training. And, you know, it didn't really affect us in in, in any shape or form. Uh, now, I'm sure some of the older guys who I mentioned earlier who played for so-called bigger clubs back in the day who came to Wolves during that period probably know the stuff, you know, because they'd been at clubs where finance wasn't an issue and there was no expense spared. So I'm, I'm sure uh, they would have noticed. But as I said, being a young player, you didn't you didn't know any different. You know, you were just getting on with your business and, and, and trying to do your best. And as I said, because, you know, your your money was paid every month. It, it didn't it didn't affect us really. And if you don't mind me asking, Derek, because I, I'd never asked this player to well, this question I should say to a player post two thousand. But obviously, in the eighties, you're a TV star. All of a sudden, a moment of truth. What was <laughs> your What was your first professional contract? Can you remember? How much was it? Yeah, I I signed a three year contract. And the first year I was paid £150 a week. Yeah. And the second year, I think it went up to 175 Yeah. And the third year, it went up to 200 Flipping heck. Our now, times have changed. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do remember there, there was, at the time, you, you got bonuses when you played. So, yes. you know, when I was playing in the, in the first team, when I was a professional, so I would have got my 150 a week. I, you would have got, I think, another, an extra hundred if you played in the first team on that Saturday. Yes. And you, you would have got 50 or 60 quid, I think, as a win bonus. I can remember when I first started, like, 
you were you were nearly uh, doubling or, or trebling your your wages if you were playing and if you were winning yes. so you know, by playing you got another few bob on top of that you know but uh it was nothing compared to what you get now like it's just there's, there's just no oh. uh no comparison whatsoever so far removed um and then towards the end um and and there's an interesting statistic that i, I told you before the interview which you, you you couldn't quite recall but so it was brian little uh that come in uh that the final season 86 87 then it was graham turner that took over it was actually graham turner that released you in in the may but yeah. i give you an interesting uh, statistic i can't even say it your last game for wolves was against Wrexham at home on November the 22nd, 1986, where we lost 3-0, okay? Yeah. Your yeah. last game was actually Steve Ball and Andy Thompson's first game for the Wolves. Now, you didn't remember that, did you, Derek? No, I didn't. No, I didn't remember that. I, I, don't even, I didn't even remember that I'd played that late. So, so Graham Turner, remind me, Jason, when did Graham Turner come into the club? I believe you're coming in October. You're testing me now for all the listeners. October 86, I believe it was. Yeah. Yeah, so so he had just come in. Yeah, so I think what what happened there, uh, Sammy Chapman. No, it wasn't Sammy Chapman. It was Brian Little, was it? You said yes. was there. So, yeah, I didn't even realise that I played under Graham Turner. I was surprised at that because going back to what I alluded to earlier on, playing under managers who rate you and don't rate you, I knew fairly. I knew straight away when yeah. Graham Turner got the job within a period of weeks that I wasn't going to be the player for him. Yes. Now, uh, as I said earlier, I was surprised that I played that game because I don't recall actually playing for him. Uh, but obviously I did. And it's no coincidence, obviously, that, that Bully and Andy Thompson came in because literally that they were the first two players that he, he brought them with him uh, when he came in the door. They were in the door a couple of weeks after him. Yes. And, uh, you know, like Bully's turned out to be one of the, the, the best players, the top goal scorer the club's ever had. So you, you can't complain with that. I, I, would, I would have loved to play with Bully more. But you see, I, I reckon, like, I was playing as a centre-forward. Bully came in. I wasn't going to compete with Bully as a centre-forward. So yeah. that was never going to happen, do you know what I mean? I would have loved to maybe go back to getting my position on the wing. And, and being uh, the type of guy who's trying to supply crosses for him, you know what I mean, as he's had over the years. But as, as I say, like Graham Turner came in, and as, as all managers do, they take a look at what's there and they decide what's needed to try and improve things. And unfortunately, that was the beginning of the end for me. And for you, Derek, what was it like when after you've left Wolves, what, because the, the next season, Wolves really kicked on and the revival began. And so sadly, you, you're part of two relegations completely now full to your own. Then it really kicked on and there was the, the promotion in 87, 88, then 88, 89. What was it like to, after leaving the club, to, to, to watch the revival that was happening? Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is difficult. Yeah, you, you, like I, I did know, like for, for that six or seven months of the rest of that season that I was there, that I wasn't going to be there the following year. I, I had resigned myself to a certain degree that, yes. okay, I need to get myself sorted and start thinking about what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. What, what I did initially was I, I went to Australia in, in the uh, September, October right. of 87. So I, I was away in Australia for about 18 months, 20 months. So when, when I was over there, obviously there, there is press, there, there is uh, a, a great following of English football, but it's not like it was 
or it's not it wasn't like it is now then yes. so I, I was away from that I was 15,000 miles away from it you know what I mean yes. which is probably a good thing it probably made it easier for me that I didn't have to sort of sit in Dublin and, and read all the press and read all the stories obviously I was glad for the club but when you're not part of it you know it is difficult there's a there's a period of time that you you need to sort of decide what your next step is going to be I, I, I said to Johnny when I, he was over I uh, going to Australia for me was probably one of the best things I ever did because yes. it it, it gave me that period of time to 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 get to that realization that I needed to get to that okay let's let's move forward from here rather than sort of get stuck as being you know Derek Ryan the footballer because that that was not going to happen then after that you know so uh, I had a good time over Australia I loved it over there by the time I came back to Dublin then Wolves were probably back up to the, the second division and, and going forward yes. even more you know what I mean but at that stage. I'd gotten on with my life and it, and it wasn't an issue, you know. So did you play football uh, in Australia, Derek? Yeah, I played, I played part-time over there. Yeah, we played. I played for a team in the in the New South Wales League, which would be like sort of the league underneath the National League at the time. So yes. it, was a, it was an average enough standard. You were being paid as part-time players for pain and I was working during the day. So, uh, But it was good. I enjoyed it over there, as I said. It was a great country, great place to live, great weather. And... Uh, I was with a group of lads from from Dublin. One or two of my mates came over with me, and we met another group of guys over there. There was four or five lads living in an apartment together. So we we had a great time, absolutely great time. And after Australia, Derek, obviously back to Dublin. Was it football there? And what jobs have you done since? Yeah. Well, what what happened was I came back from Australia, which would have been in about the, <clears throat> excuse me April '89. Yeah. And uh, I got a job. Funny enough, I'm, I'm still in the same company that I got the job in. Right. What happened was I uh, got a job in a health insurance company and it was through a friend of a friend who they they had these football competitions in the summer uh, for the sort of insurance companies and the banks and all these type of services companies. And they had a little mini competition every year. And this guy had heard that I was home from Australia, knew that I played football said, come on in, work in here for three or four months. Because you're working here, you can play on the football team at night. And it, it was a bit of a, a big thing to try and win that competition for for the insurance company. So yes. that's how I got my foot in the door. I was working pretty much in, in the postal room area, the, the place where everybody who starts working when they leave school or leave college gets into. Most people stay there for three or four months and then move on to different jobs in the company. Uh, I got in, I was told that because I was coming in for the summer to be a three-month contract, and after that, that would be it. After the three months, I had a chat with the HR director, and he was a guy that I got on really well with. And basically, at the time, the company, you, you had to have your <clears throat> your leave insert exams, which would be our, our equivalent to your A-levels. Yes. You had, had a certain level of education in order to be made permanent in the company. So I, because I'd left school at 16, I'd foregone that last year and a half of school. So I couldn't get a job in this company unless I'd passed those exams. So he said to me, listen, I was at this stage now, I would have been uh, 22 at this stage. And he said to me, listen, I'd like you to stay here, but we can't give you a full-time job unless you have these exams. I'd encourage you to go back to school at night 
you can have your job here in the postal area, uh, but you'll stay here. And then when you pass your exams, we make you permanent and you can go for the other jobs in the company, which is what I ended up doing. So I, I started going back to school at night to do the exams that I should have done when I was 16, 17. So that, that took two years yeah. of, of night school to do that. And once I got them, then I was made permanent in the company and I was entitled to go for other jobs. Uh, there was a culture in, in the company at the time, as there still is now, they encouraged people to continue with their education and yes. maybe go to university and, and get degrees and get different qualifications that would help them, you know, and, and obviously help the company as well. And it was all paid for by the company. So because I was in the habit of, of going to school at night to do the, the leaving cert exams that took two years, I just continued on and I, I got into Trinity College in Dublin as a mature student and I did a degree in IT there and that okay. took four years and uh, during the course of that five years then I sort of got into the, the area of IT and telecoms which is uh, where I've been working ever since. And, and so, Derek, is it, you know, I, I do ask this question to former players, is it a form of decadence when you've scored, you know, you've played your debut, the TV cameras are there, 14,000, then you've scored two goals away at Reading in front of 13,000, and literally, a few years later, you're in the real world, there's nobody yeah. singing your name, you haven't yeah. got the camaraderie of the dressing room. Um, yeah. Is it is it quite difficult, especially when Wolves are then marching on up the leagues, is it, is it, yeah. does it feel a little bit decadent in terms of what you've had to walk away from? Uh, it, it is tough like it is tough there's times especially when you're like you're you're going to school at night as, as a 22 year old because you've left school at a young age to, to supposedly have a football career so there are times when it does get tough yes and there's tough especially during that time because you were you were working at night and you were going to school sorry you were working during the day and you were going to school at night for pretty much from september through to april for for pretty much seven years on the trial i did that but my motivation was that, you know, I was catching up with people who had got ahead of me because I'd left school at 16. Yes. So I used it as a as a sort of a motivational thing that, okay, the football thing didn't work out, but I didn't want that to define me for the rest of my career yes. or life. You know what I mean? It's great to look back on all these things. It's great to talk to people like yourself and Johnny and reminisce about them. But like you use the phrase there, the real world, and you you have to get used to living in the real world pretty yes. quick, you know, because no one's going to be coming, as you say, no one's singing your name, no one's going to be giving you handing out money, making things easy for you. Yeah, there's a real world out there that a lot of young guys like myself, you know, it's it's hard, it's it's a bitter pill to swallow sometimes, but you just have to get yourself up off the ground and do it because no one else is going to do it for you. You know, and, and I suppose Derek. You know, looking at your time in professional football, you come over from Ireland, you're 16 years of age. You know, you're at the club for, um, for from effectively 83 to 87, four years. So you're back in Dublin, like you said, 22, 23. That should really be when you're at the prime of your football career. Yeah. And all of a yeah. sudden, that career's ended, it's gone. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it, that's what I find strange, really, that it didn't kick on. You know, 40 appearances for Wolves. You, you've played in yeah. three divisions. You'd think, really, that, that it, it could have kicked on maybe in the, the lower leagues yeah. or, or, or wherever, or maybe back in Ireland. But yeah. the flip side of it is 
when you do, as I just called it, get back into the real world at 22, you're actually two or three, four years behind people yeah. your age who've got the qualifications. And, 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 you know, effectively, I suppose your career didn't hold you back, but it, it did put you back a couple of years in terms of where you tried to get to where you are now. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you make, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, no, exactly. It's, uh, it, you're, you're playing catch up to a certain extent. I, I, I didn't, I didn't try and go anywhere else during that last six or seven months with with uh, Graham Turner as the manager. And when I like I, I thought about this when I was talking to Johnny about the book and, the, and when you phoned me last week as well. I never I never tried to go anywhere else, which is probably something in hindsight with the benefit of hindsight. Yes. That maybe when he got the job, and I, I said to you earlier, I knew I wasn't going to be part of his plans. Yeah. I sat six or seven months and accepted that yes. and said, oh, do you know what, Look, you know, this isn't going to happen, let's get out of here. Uh, I should have probably tried to get out of there in that November, December, yeah. even if it was only for six months to go somewhere on, on loan and try something else. or, or try. But I, I, I don't know, it's easy now to say that, but I don't know why I didn't do that at the time. You know, I think you get to a stage where you mentioned all those good points earlier on about yeah. playing these and doing well like I think by the January or February of 87 I'm back playing in the youth team on a Saturday morning which is where I would have started in January 83 Yeah, and you sort of get a bit demoralised by that and you sort of start to lose a bit of confidence your, your love of the game yeah. it's not the way it should be it's just a call you're still a young man you know what I mean it's it's easy to look back now as, as a mature adult and, and recognise these things but definitely I I if I was if I had to do it all again, I'd get out of there as soon as I realised that I wasn't part of his plans and try and get something else. Now, in saying that, I've always had this thing about and the greatest respect to the guys who do this these these journeyman professionals who go down the leagues. They call them. Yeah, they they go all around the leagues for a year yeah. here, two years there. I was very aware of that at the time, and I knew I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to be that guy, you know, because. As I say, with the great respect to them, to me that that wasn't what I went over for. Yes. You know, I I wanted what I would consider a career. Now I know that's a career, but there's a lot of those guys get to 32, 33, and then they have to make the same decisions that I had to make as a 20 year old. So, you know, I think it's a lot easier as a 20 year old than it is that someone who's 22 or 23, or sorry, 32 or 33. Yes. And they, these guys don't have the high profile that the the guys playing in the top leagues have either, you know, so they're not going to walk into coaching jobs or, or, or managers' jobs anywhere, you know, it's it's uh, it's tough for them when they get to that age, and, and usually at that age, they've they've married with kids as well, yeah. you know, so it's all, it's all uh, a vicious circle, you know. And can you look back now, Derek, with absolute pride and, and, you know, that you actually played for the Wolves? Yeah, I do, yeah, it's funny, it's funny, yeah, like, because of the profile now of the Premiership over here, yes. and all over the world, obviously, like there's there's people who I've spoke to in the last year or two who've known me since you know 25 years ago. They've always known me as someone who used to play professionally for Wolves. But the amount of them in the last couple of years, yeah, who've mentioned it to me again because Wolves are such high profile. The different documentaries that are done about yes. the ownership there that Johnny Villan Sky. You know they're they're back in the news. They're a good, well-established Premiership club, 
finances are good. So and, and people get to see them on the television now once and twice a month, no problem. So it is. It, it's. I am very proud of, of what I achieved. Yeah. yeah wow. Very proud. Well, Derek. Finally, thank you so much for for taking your time out today to be interviewed by the Wolf Whistle. You didn't dodge any questions. Um, you know, we really do appreciate your time. Thank you um, for representing our great club on 40 appearances and scoring five goals. And once again, you're welcome back on the Wolf Whistle anytime, Derek. Thanks, Jason. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care.